Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us for the weekly update on Fridays here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. It's good to be with you post matzahs and uh, <laughs> looking forward to Shabbos, I guess, to rest up after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you, so and, you're, one, you're one of the you know, few. You get, you get used to it, I guess. You're one of the few who thinks this Shabbos is necessary, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're supposed to work six days in order to have Shabbos. Oh. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit complicated, but you know, we appreciate Shabbos no matter. And, um, well, for and a lot I of... hope everybody had a safe uh, Pesach and will continue to be safe and will adhere to the rules and will stand by them and uh, understand that we're not nearly over this. And the, the numbers mounting around the world and in our own communities continues to take such a heavy toll. I spoke to people just now in England, and I've spoken to the people in half a dozen other countries before Yantav. It's uh, it's very frightening, and the toll will only be known afterwards about how many people, especially older people, but now you see many in their 50s and in their 30s. No one is exempt. Everybody's got to adhere to the rules. Uh, well, that's 100% true. On, on your first point about working six days, a big shout-out to the uh, Jewish moms out there who did put in the uh, at the minimum of six days, probably a lot more than that, to get us through the holiday of Pesach. So they certainly deserve Shabbos tonight, so we give them a special shout-out this morning. Um, and, and all the men who are home should put away the stuff. So, they, But we should also thank Salah and all the other the first responders and people who have been working straight through the doctors, from doctors and non from who through uh, these days have been really doing amazing things. 100%. And we give them uh, a big thank you, to say the least. Uh, and every form of thank you, uh, no matter how people are doing it, is welcome and appreciated. Um, but on the other issue... Of and and before I get to this, we should also mention. I mean, you alluded to it, but uh, there are a lot of people in our community who normally we would cite and mention. Unfortunately, the list is a little too long. Unfortunately, and uh, and we will get to it obviously and do proper discussions and memorials for those who are um, uh, figures in the Jewish community. But those the the list of people, uh, both well known and otherwise. Uh, is uh, is getting way too large, way too big, and uh, only our attempts, our successful attempts, at uh, doing what needs to be done and following the rules is going to finally stem the tide and get that list to stop growing. So please, everybody, do what you need to do in order to keep that uh, to keep that list as short as possible. With all that in mind, um, on the other side of the issue, it's hard for me not to complain, and you're on the other end of the phone, so when I complain to you, uh, don't you find it unusual that, you know, with, with uh, still so many days to go until April 30th, the governor of the state of New York would already announce that this is being extended uh, another two-plus weeks, uh, especially in an atmosphere when so many people are so worried about how they're going to rebound from this. And every day that goes by, we suspect, will make it only more and more and more difficult for small businesses and organizations to get back on their feet and to and to really rebound, didn't you find it unusual that this announcement for May fifteenth was made now? No, I think he was trying to give people a framework and some guidance, and it also, you know, there's been so many political overlays with the president making statements, the mayor making statements, governors, and 
I think he, he was trying to indicate that although the numbers we've plateaued, plateau doesn't mean that, you know, we've stopped it. Plateau only means that the numbers aren't increasing, that they are flattening out the curve of, of hospitalizations, but there still remains many. And you see, the death rate is still over 700 a day. And I think he was trying to because parents are, are, are want to know, are the kids going back to school? Are they going to be going back this week right, or two weeks of May 1st? And I think that, that it's helpful if you have a framework to know, just as parents I know are very worried about the summer camps and summer programs. And as for college students, it it's, could be a lost semester largely. And, and uh, what happens? When will they, those who are entering? Uh, I mean, there's so many ramifications. So I think he was simply trying to put a framework on it by giving a date. And because um, others had suggested that other dates might be possible. Wow. But people will, will take advantage of it if they say, well, if it's going to break in a week, then I might as well get started. Or I think it's, it's um, and, and nobody knows with certainty about any of these dates. And I know for, especially those who own small businesses, this has got to be horrific. And for those with little children at home and those who can't work because they have their children at home, just so much going on. And, and we have to be very concerned about people's mental health, especially those who are alone, that, that this, this has a physical toll that comes. It's not just the, but, but the, the, the depression and the loneliness we know is manifest in uh, physical ways as well. So people should be concerned, should call and and uh, you know help at least fill the void a little bit for for those who are alone and the, those who might be vulnerable because uh, you know if somebody is sick they can't make the calls and do what's necessary um with that framework that you just described aren't you concerned not that there's anything we could do about it at the moment i get it but aren't you concerned that uh you know, we're, we're, if we're already talking about end of school year, summer camping programs, etc., you know, it, up here in our heads, we're already in September. Up here, we're already thinking about Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Up here, we're wondering, you know, me, meaning in our minds, we're thinking, oh my gosh, is it possible that what we just went through for Pesach, we're going to go through again for Shavuos and possibly during, you know, Tisha B'Av and uh, the month of Elul and Rosh Hashanah, etc. And I guess, I guess based on what you're saying, you would advise prepare yourselves for anything. Absolutely. I think people have to be prepared and have to think in financial terms, in organizational terms, in their involvements, et cetera, and to at least have the mental framework that, that this could last longer, and especially different professions. You know, people in grocery stores can be open now. Drug stores are open now, but other stores and those deemed essential will probably be given a chance to open uh, earlier than schools might, and right. schools because you have people in such condensed settings that you, you it's it is much more complicated, and and it's not the kids themselves who we see are not as affected or affected by the COVID nineteen, but they carry it, and they can pick it up and give it to teachers and carry it home, etc. So the you know people are talking about well when you have a, a, a vaccine, a vaccine. Is not going to happen in the next few weeks, although there are exciting things coming from Israel using uh, the placenta stem cells that Fluorostem is dealing with, the um, some of the drugs that the different country companies have, and, and 
combinations of drugs, none of which yet has been proven to be the an answer, but it seemed to work in certain cases. And um, so there are hopeful signs. There are certainly a lot of people working on it. I know in Israel, at least half a dozen projects trying to come up with some vaccine and then the efforts to use the antibodies from the blood and those who have the opportunity to contribute blood who've had it to see if they, in fact, can... Um, I think Maimonides, other hospitals are collecting blood samples. But again, you know, it's, it's all one big question mark. No, nobody knows really anything. And you listen to, to some of these very detailed press conferences, which are important people want to know. But the bottom line is there's still more question marks than exclamation points. No question about it. And there are people who, who I mean, too many people that don't know where their money's going to come from, who don't know how they're going to feed their families. I, it just, it, it's scary. You can't have continuing uh, bailout programs in the terms of tr- trillions of dollars. Even the United States can't afford to do that. Right. And, you know, the, we know that they've run out of money before most of the applications are even in on some of the funding. And I'm, I'm, I believe Congress will come up with additional funding. Hopefully they can reach agreements to expedite it. But people depend on that that money. And, and boy, that, it runs out fast. It runs out very exactly, and that's the point. People think two months, three months, it doesn't. It flies by. It goes very quickly. And it's not really replacing for many people uh, the income they lost. And this is an incentive to keep people employed, which is very important as well. Um, often when things happen that are comparable, obviously not much is, but when things happen that are comparable, com- comparable to Israel, we jump to make that um, comparison because we're familiar, obviously, a little bit with what goes on in Israel. Uh, 9-11, you know, we talked about the aftermath of that terror attack, how the Israelis have dealt with it, etc. Um, is Israel doing well relatively with what's going on because of, number one, the involvement of the police and army and a tremendous crackdown, which really lasted until Wednesday night? I think Thursday morning they started to allow people to go between cities but even people I mean, people I spoke to who were traveling on Thursday in Israel said that they were stopped four or five times by the police or the army just to uh, make sure it was legit where they were heading, that they could prove based on their license or their or their passport that they were you know residents of um, whatever city they were traveling to, et cetera, or coming from. Um, so was it number one, the crackdown, and number two, the, the, the population? I mean, I just, you know, with all the groups that we've cited that we read about that are difficult to control in terms of social distancing, still, it's a pretty small population. So a small population plus, you know, a really serious crackdown is going to equal a much better outcome than here. It's also, remember, Israel's small, smaller. It's the size of New Jersey. And if you compare it to New Jersey, it has a fraction of the number of deaths yeah. and of cases. Um, and, you know, that the you have um, a big population coming back. You know, a lot of people came back in February and March before. There's still, in fact, new flights are going to different cities in Europe to bring back Israelis. And then they have to go into a two-week uh, uh, confinement. People are being put up, who have had it, are being put up in hotels in at the government's expense. Uh, and have and some of the pictures of them, they're able to have a Seder. They're able to have uh, group events because they, they're all people who've had uh, 
the COVID-19 or, or just recuperating from it. So the the government has really, first of all, they, they moved very quickly on uh, on the China connection and getting equipment and getting um, uh, masks and trying to produce and switching their manufacturing lines from tanks to vent, uh, ventilators and another f- factory that was um, working on ambulances to making the masks and other uh, protective equipment. And uh, and the general cooperation of the population, not in every instance, but the vast majority. And you know that they find people a lot of money, significant fines, 500 shekels up to right. a couple thousand shekels right. for repeated violations and for keeping stores open or for not conducting the right way. And I think it's mandatory now with masks there as it is now in New York for everybody who's listening. You have to have a mask on. Uh, if you go outside or to stores and whatever. yeah, well, you're right. If you're with other people, right? If you're in an area that has other people in it, right? If right. you if you could social distance, then you don't need a mask. But if you're anywhere near, uh, you know, right, else, if you're in a right. park, I think right. if you're alone and no one right. else, is, I first think the parks are all closed anyway. But when I walk to work, I don't need a mask. <laughs> There's nobody up at that. <laughs> Nobody's around at all. Um, Malcolm, you know, um, oh, by the way, I got to give you credit. You didn't realize how good the comparison was. We always say Israel and New Jersey. And this is a good trivia question for the Friday Night Shabbos table, everybody. The population of Israel, according to Google, 8.8 million. The population of New Jersey, according to Google, 8.8 million. That's right. a, I never realized that, that it's not just in, in, in geographic area in terms of how much land it takes up, but in terms of population. It's a really an unbelievable comparison, obviously. And then you see the, the, the disparity in the numbers. And, uh, right, and of course, uh, yeah. I mean, Governor Murphy has really tried and given good leadership. One thing uh, I discovered through this whole episode: there's some good governors in this country. There's some guys who really can. I mean, women as well. Well, this who, is an opportunity. They've been given a platform, and right. some of them have taken real advantage in creative ways and shown leadership. Uh, it, it would be regretful if if it ends up with the federal government against the state governments. Right now, I think is a period where you need cooperation and you need. You know, you can't let people exploit this, and the media is doing it to pro or against the president or pro against other parties. That uh, this is this is really something that the public should hold them to account for. That this is a time when people should be working together. There's got to be unity. There's got to be you know political harmony. Doesn't mean they have to agree on everything, and it doesn't mean that they they're gonna you know march and lockstep. It does mean though that we're facing this crisis, and only by Congress coming together across, you know, the aisle and and working with the administration to to get solutions to some of the immense challenges. And I'm telling you, we cannot wrap our minds yet around, and and for our community, even other manifestations, the potential for anti-Semitism, for the economic dislocation, social disruptions, the you know things that we've already seen how they use the virus as an excuse for for blaming Jews when Iran is involved in it and other countries, the PA is involved in it, and, li- and blood libeling Israel, which has done so much for them, and for and, the, and their cooperation is going on, and they're, you know, standing there yelling that Israel's not helping when they are, and the same thing true in Gaza, and that the ban on Gaza is, has nothing to do with medicines. They're sending in over a hundred tons of medicine every week into Gaza and, and medical equipment and stuff. It's 
you know, it's just ludicrous. And, and they blame the United States also. And China, diver, you know, diverts attention, but so does Iran from their domestic uh, crises. And, um, you know, there was a series of articles in one of the Saudi papers about the history of Jews in the Middle East. And you see, again, the guys who jump on it and they start attacking. And, and even in this climate, you know, so, so dissent and hate and the Internet gives them a platform to do it. Uh, often with anonymity, and we have to make sure that the, the world knows who they are. Yeah, no question about that. Um, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, at NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at Better Kosher Supermarkets. Nationwide, try A and H today. Malcolm Holine is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Now, I remember post nine eleven when we really started the whole weekly update segment on Fridays. I remember asking you if you would fly again, and you 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 answered as if you know why on earth would I not? And essentially, your answer I think told everybody to keep themselves on an even keel. You know, this has happened. It was a disaster, et cetera. But, you know, let's let's keep everything in perspective and, you know, et cetera. Uh, I know we joke sometimes, you and I, about, you know, sometimes the reports being, you know, the world is coming to an end and we joke about that. But, I mean, are, are you thinking a lot about the bigger picture? Are you thinking about, you know, um, falls of, of prior great governments that, you know, that have that have fallen prey to whether it be, you know, disease or war, et cetera, and never were able to regain their position in this world? Is the bigger picture something that you're considering greatly during this period of time? Absolutely, because it, first of all, it has ramifications for us, but more importantly, it has ramifications for the future of the United States' role. The, what will happen in terms of, let's say, the EU? The, this could lead to further erosion and, and collapse of the of the the whole re-emphasis of nation-state, which leads to chauvinism, can lead to to a lot of manifestations. As and I said, the rise of of um, hostilities within communities and the, and expressions given to it, um, often in terms of anti-Semitism, and and I think that the that the economic conditions that we have to look at. If if there's no tourism to Israel, we can't have summer camps, which are so important for Jewish educational purposes and, you know, often I think do more than the whole year of schooling. It's what, what happens in the camps can have a much more profound impact on kids. The, um, uh, the, the impact of the loss of so many rabbis and teachers and people when, when we come out of this, how the, the community and communal institutions will be impacted. Right. How many of them will not survive or will be, will be skeletal? How many of them, you know, will not be able to rehire the staffs that they, that they laid off? And that the difficulty of fundraising is going to be very great because people have lost a lot of money, the donors, and, and the demand for right now for feeding people has to be given priority so other institutions will be hurt. There are uh, so many things, and, and you talk about flying, and flying is not just a question of whether the airlines, it's, it is so important for all aspects of commerce, but also for so many of the things that we care about and the connections between communities, what, what, what will the, all of these manifestations, there's, there's why I said before that there are so many more question marks, and we, I certainly, I try to anticipate, and I, I make lists of some of the issues that I think 
we have to look at and why I think security cannot become a stepchild after this. It cannot be relegated again to, to insignificance in, in terms of the priorities that people set, because I think it's going to become more important in the months ahead. And, uh, and we have to look at all of these things. And, and, and it's globally. I, when I speak to our, the leaders in other communities, they're reflecting these same concerns. And every police force is obviously suffering because there's a percentage that's out because of this, whether they're sick or, uh, or, or you know, mm-hmm. have, have symptoms. On top of that, a lot of, a lot of the prisons are opening their doors. Um, and that's scary. I don't know if you saw, there was a video online of somebody who was attacked by someone who literally was released for this reason. Um, you know, and they're so proud that we're down to the lowest number of prisoners since, uh, I don't know, 40 years. That doesn't make me happy. It, it, yeah. it, we, people who, who, I mean, there are guys, people from Otisville and others who are not dangerous criminals in the sense that they have crimes and most of them are in their terms. And, um, but, there are too many people, and especially the closing of Rikers, that this this has to be so carefully planned and thought through. And the, you know, the fact that a guy who, who plotted an attack against the Jewish institutions was released because they couldn't hold him, you know, they can't keep him in prison. This just happened in the last 24 hours. So there, there is uh, that was in Massachusetts, but uh, it, it's true everywhere. What happens to a guy like that? Do you know if he's tracked or if he's wearing a bracelet or anything like that? I'm sure they they put him under house arrest or confine him, but but how, you can't really keep track of that many. Right. And you, you could have you could have in New York certainly thousands of them now released. The other and is, we will see if there's recidivism and and the crime rates how, how they're impacted. This uh, another scary part is the they say the American economy is worth twenty two trillion dollars. I think we're getting an idea based on the stimulus package how easy it is to go through twenty two trillion dollars. And that is yes. and that is scary because right. uh, you know, we, and it doesn't cover the cost when you when you the airlines alone could right. eat up what a hundred billion dollars, right. two hundred billion dollars. And one of the greatnesses of the United States is I mean, the reason that it's a military power, the reason it's the number one country in the world is its wealth. I mean, essentially, you know, it's all what it all comes down to uh, is, is the money that they're able to, um, uh, to to throw around, so to speak. Well, it's money. It's it's the direction. It's policy. It's it's um, and freedom and democracy help strengthen a country. They don't. They're not debilitating for a country, you know. And and when you stand for values and stuff, that uh, that brings other people to the cause. But right now, people's attentions are going to be priorities are going to be uh, somewhat different. And and the and the campaign is going to be about one issue, right? I mean, there's no way that'll change in the next few months. Well, we don't know yet. We we. We have to see who who uh, in September there the could be, there could be, be other issues in September. Well, it will be the, econ- the economy right. and it's the impact of this. But you know, people can't hold the president accountable for the disease. They may discuss how what, how he handled it or you know other issues related to it. And Mr. Biden will certainly come under challenge, and we will see a very heavy debate, assuming that we're going to be able to have. Um, you know that we'll be coming out of this, and we'll be able to people be able to go and vote freely, and you know, freely meaning going to polling booths and and not just electronic voting or whatever. To which I think makes it more complicated for for many people. You know, Vice President Biden for a long time, right? Yes, I do. Um, is it unfair to ask you if he seems um, uh, uh, less sharp than he has during some of your encounters in years past? 
Yes, it would be unfair to ask me. <laughs> okay, so I won't, I won't, I won't ask you. <laughs> um, now let's go to Israel, where we worry about the political system there. You know how many times over Cholamoid I read an article that said <laughs> that said we're hours away from finally this unity government being being formed. And by the way, now I'm starting to get it. Now I'm starting to get it. When I asked you this two weeks ago, or, or three weeks ago at this point. Uh, I, I wasn't sure myself, and even with your answer, I still couldn't hop what was going on. Now I'm getting it. Now I, it's so obvious that the longer Prime Minister Netanyahu delays this process and the faster he gets to a fourth election, the more secure he is in becoming Prime Minister again for a full term in Israel. And, and, and therefore, I think one who knows him well and has seen how he forced basically uh, blue and white to disintegrate and how he's now showing how Gans has no leadership because he can't put together this unity government when given the opportunity, I guess it's now obvious that he's just trying to get to that fourth election as fast as possible, especially when the polls are saying that he can get 40 seats at this point. Right, but that could change. And also the economic impact in Israel of all of, of the, they've spent a lot of money, and I think it costs every day that they're closed, costs them a billion shekels. And so the cost till now, and, and they moved quickly, you know, through the Mossad, through the army, through everybody getting involved and going all over the world, scouring the world for ventilators and equipment and, and uh, masks and producing them domestically. Uh, so the economic impact is going to be there, too, and, and that will certainly be a factor if they go to elections in uh, it would be on, on August 4th, I think, because they have to do it after Tisha B'Av. The three-month notice would end. And so this is the first Tuesday after Tisha B'Av that they, to hold the election. They've set a date already? That is the date that would be that it would be held. It's, it's not set. It's, it's determined by law that you need three months. So they have 21 days now for the Knesset to see if they can come up with a, a candidate. It's it's up any member of Knesset, by the way, if he can put together 61 votes, becomes the prime minister. Uh, I think Netanyahu would like to avoid the fourth election because I know it's not popular for anybody. Well, then why does he just form a unity government immediately if that's the case? Because they have not been able to reach an agreement on certain uh, provisions, mostly about the, what happens to the Supreme Court. Rules. So I know you don't like predictions, but the based on what you're saying, you're pre- you you would pre- you would think in this case that there'll be a unity government before a fourth election. I still think it's possible that there could be a, that there will be a unity government. I think that you know, uh, as you said, um, Gantz's hand has been diminished a lot. Is his leverage? Uh, Netanyahu's in a stronger position, especially as they as the polls show him doing better and having enough for. Probably a coalition. If uh, Likud got 40 votes, then he would. But it's also possible that that two members will switch to Likud to the bloc, to the government, and that would give them 61. He's at 59 now. Right. That's with, with uh, um, you know, with the, in the assumption that there are two who who would still switch. And I know that's one that people think about. Said last night that he he, he was not considering it. But there are enough others who probably would, and they'll probably get promised the ministry, and they'll switch. But the um, so I think it's not in anybody's interest to go through the expenditure and the, the and all the difficulties. I think Netanyahu wants to protect against an, any kind of measure that would preclude him from serving as prime minister or as the uh, alternative prime minister. Um, 
because of the legal cases uh, that are surrounding him. And uh, I know that there were one or two other uh, issues that, that they were still negotiating about. Uh, and and uh, the control of the Ministry of Justice, and uh, I think the Foreign Ministry, they mm. could once. Yeah, as you told us last time, cabinet personnel is always a big issue. Yes, it's, and how you, with so many cabinet positions, uh, how you allocate them and how you, you give small parties often who can maximize their leverage because of the narrow margin in the Knesset can demand much more, and it's it's... You have to be practical. Right now, they're talking about a 30-member cabinet. It had been reduced over the years, and they try to make them smaller. People don't want the expenditure, and you know every minister needs an office and a staff, and right. so it's, it's it's also very expensive. And uh, I, I think that we'll see in the next couple of days, now that the the, holiday, the Hagim are over, that they will be able to negotiate straight through. Uh, they will, I think, try to to reach an accord. And, and, you know, again, even for Netanyahu, looking good now, there are no guarantees. And when, it's still a narrow margin when they're talking about him getting 40 seats. That can be reduced, and it only has to be reduced by a few to, to make it inconclusive again. Right. It's got to be finished. The process has to finish. People are just gonna getting fed up with it. Uh, was there another drone attack this week against Syria? There was a drone attack. It was against Hezbollah. Drivers near the Syrian-Lebanon border. Um, the first missile missed, shot by the drone. Uh, the second one hit the car, but they already had escaped. Um, the Hezbollah leaders had already escaped from the car at that point. And finally, with all, I mean, with the theme of you know letting out prisoners and et cetera, et cetera, and people getting away with stuff they wouldn't normally, except for the coronavirus situation. Uh, is this going to lead to lifting of sanctions with Iran? Is it going to lead to them being more of a strong arm against the U.S. right now? Uh, is the president of the United States still paying attention to what Iran is doing at this point? The administration, I do think, is paying attention to it. Um, no, I do not believe it will lead to the lifting of sanctions. There are people who are arguing, many of them associated with an organization that has been fronting for the government of Iran in many ways. Um, and... Uh, but I think other members of Congress recognize that this is not a time to lift the sanctions. It isn't because of the sanctions that the people didn't get the, the drugs. It's because the government didn't act. The government still is not acting. They're letting people go back to work prematurely. The, the, um, uh, the government, now they just reported that $5 billion more that was supposed to go for expenses for purchases is missing. We know that the government has hundreds of billions of dollars in their accounts. And that the that money could be used to buy the whatever medicines is the United States sanctions on Iran do not bar any medicines and medical equipment from going into the country. And in fact, the United States offered assistance which Iran rejected. The doctors without borders went there and they were thrown out. So the situation there is not because of the of the U.S. sanctions. And I think those who are advocating, you know, to, to this is merely taking advantage of of this to to. Uh, again, uh, 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 ignore the lessons of the past, which taught us that you only can deal with Iran from strength, that they perceive measures of weakness. They're harassing our ships again in the Straits of Hormuz, and they they took over a ship, a foreign flagged ship, I think, uh, from Hong Kong, um, and released it right away, but it put everybody on alert. Um, and and the, uh, I think that the American ships fired some warning shots, 
uh, they have these fast boats that wreck havoc going in the front and back of the ships. And the only thing to do is to send a clear message, and that means that you have to take one of them out or you have to act decisively uh, to to get the Iranians to understand. If they think that they can get away with it, they think we are all preoccupied and the world is preoccupied, then they will take advantage of it fully. And, yeah. and we see it in, in, in Lebanon. We see Iranians stepping up actions. We know that the head of the Syrian army was seen with the leader of Hezbollah walking along the Syrian-Israeli border, you know, Golan. We know that they are trying to entrench themselves there uh, and do it in concert with the Syrian army. These are things that Israel can't tolerate. It's why Israel continues to strike at some of the shipments where Iran is still trying to get these sophisticated guidance systems to Lebanon. Lebanese economy isn't collapsed. They, they had a forego payment on the debt. The, the uh, virus is just hitting there, but it's expected to be very strong. And, um, uh, you know, the the situation in Iraq where, where now they have the third prime minister because what the Iranians didn't, didn't approve the, the other ones, and now you have a new guy trying to form a government, and the head of the Quds Soleimani's replacement is, is in Baghdad, trying to dictate what they do, and they've attacked American troops, you know, 27 times already. They they are escalating the violence at all this time, and the, and the, the apologists for Iran and those who are seeking to, to, to advocate that we, you know, reinstate all the conditions. Iran hasn't met a single condition, and we know on the nuclear program and which nobody focuses on now, but inspectors don't go in. We know that they have a new site uh, and that they that was uncovered because of the documents that Israel uh, acquired. They admitted that they're going ahead with new centrifuges and that they have stockpiled more web, more uh, enriched uranium than they had before the Iran deal was signed. Uh, and unfortunately, this and a lot of other things that they could cite to you are, are not getting the attention they deserve. One thing we do know is Israel's not preoccupied. They're paying careful attention to Syria, to Iran, to everybody in that region. They have to, and and you know you see that the, the attempts to heat up with uh, with in Gaza and outside forces who try to exploit these situations and instigate uh, trouble. And Israel has to be on constant alert at a time when so many of its troops have to be used for domestic uh, policing. We will speak, please God, next week. With good news, and, and please, only good news. Please. And everybody should be safe and healthy, and please abide by the rules. We can't afford to continue to lose good people, and um, and reach out to the people in your neighborhood, in your communities, the survivors, others, people who are alone, to make sure that they have what they need. Oh, by the way, with Yom HaShoah on Tuesday, and people trying to make comparisons of different eras in history, uh, let's remember one thing. Those in the Shoah would have given anything to have had a Pesach Seder like we had this year, even if it was someone having a Seder alone. Absolutely right. This is not the worst epoch in Jewish history. We've had plagues. We've had the Black Plague where Jews were helpless in defending themselves against the accusations and yeah. the, the massacres and pogroms that took place because of it against them. That's not happening here. We have to be alert. To the, to the exploitation of this for anti-Semitic purposes and to stoke Jew hatred and anti-Israel hatred, but it is we should remember that we still live in, in relative in prosperity, and there are those in our community who don't, and we have, thank God, organizations, and people should support them that are helping and providing food and assistance to them. 
Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Take care. Yes, everybody. It's already Shabbos tonight. Yeah, believe it or not. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM. Day, day eight in the counting of the Omer. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations.